Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 82. And today is another very special day, as it seems to be every Thursday. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, it's, very, it's a very special day because clearly there's a new episode of the Camera Shake Podcast coming out that you may enjoy in its full glory in the car or, you know, in your headphones whilst you're working on your computer or whatever it is that you're doing. In fact, that would be a really interesting thing to ask our listeners is uh, is what are you doing whilst listening to the Camera Shake podcast? That'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm usually in the bath. <laughs> are you? Yeah, you actually yeah. listen to, uh, to yeah, our voices. Yeah, my right. parts and just listen uh, to your voice. Oh, well, that, of course. Is that normal? Yeah, I can. I, yeah, I'm on board with that. I do yeah. the same thing. I yeah. skip your parts and I just listen to my own voice. There you go. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, episode eighty-two. Of course, as always, you know, be reminded that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast. You can not only listen to our sultry voices, but see our lovely faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube as well. Um, now, you know, leave us a review, same sort of thing. Um, it'd be super awesome because it will help our podcast uh, to be found in the ocean of other podcasts that there are. Anyway, today we've got a few uh, interesting things to talk about, really. Have we? Because I think we have. Wow. Yeah. Um, a lot has happened in the world of photography photography yeah photography photography yeah um yeah so a lot of stuff has come out over the last few weeks and of course we've had you know quite a few guests on um mm. recently so we've been able to to cover some of those um one of the things one of the big announcements over the last few weeks um of course has been the nikon z9 mm. so um, the Z9 or Z9. Z9, thank you. Um that's of course has been a big launch a massive launch for Nikon and um Interestingly enough, when we interviewed, when we spoke to Joe McNally, yeah, that's right. Um, the, yeah. the Z9 literally came out like a day after yeah. or something we spoke to him. And so he was barred from saying anything. I, I asked the question, but like a seasoned pro, he managed to weasel his way out um, <laughs> of the answer. So very well done, Joe, if you're listening, respect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah. Um, so the Z9, well, it's a huge step for Nikon. Um, it's a huge announcement. Um, it's actually, you know, after a good few years of Nikon's of trailing behind its main competitors. Yeah, you know, 10 years probably. AKA, um, you know, Sony and um, and Canon. And they've really, um, they've really put something out there that's, that's quite remarkable. Yeah, so okay. let's talk specs. What have we got there? Yeah. What, what, what's, uh, <clears throat> what's so special about so this So the Z9 this is, one? is basically Nikon's flagship mm -hmm. um, mirrorless camera body. Um, so it's really there to compete with, you know, the um, the R three. It's essentially the mirrorless flagship version of of the one DX. Yep. Right. If if you want to think of it like that, and and so it's it's aimed at the same types of photographers. So we're yep. talking, you know, we're talking sports, sports. We're talking press photography. You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's ultra fast. Um, you know, hyper supercharged. Which is about anything. So you know, it's the, the absolute um, flagship model, and it's got a forty-five. Um, it's like forty-five point seven megapixel sensor. Mm -hmm. That is that is almost you know not quite, but almost double of the R three. So that yeah is is quite remarkable, especially when um, you know when when you're looking at the like the the, uh, the frame rates and everything else. It's, it's, it's quite a remarkable achievement. Um, it's, you know, it, I mean, it's a six grand camera. Yeah, the, the, the double the sensor size is interesting. Because um, if I remember correctly, their frame rate is the same, if not higher than the R3 as well. So it's, it's different. I mean, as far as frame rate is concerned, you know, if you're a sports shooter or, or even a wildlife shooter, for example, you know, then that becomes really important. You know, we, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Um, you know, if you're shooting sports, for example, it, it makes a difference whether you can shoot, you know, 12 frames a second or 20 or 30 frames per mm -hmm. second, um, because you might get the perfect shot within those 30 shots. You know, more, you, well, you're more likely to get the perfect shot rather than, you know, if your camera does like 10 frames per second. But, you know, what's interesting about the Nikon Z9 is that it, the, it's the first camera really that doesn't have a mechanical shutter. Mm. So it's they've gone all out future shock here. Um, it's it's an electronic shutter only. Um, what's, the, what's the downside of that? 
Is there a downside to that? I, I actually, to be honest, I can't really see a downside with that. I can only see upsides. I mean, the fact that you don't have a mechanical thing in there basically means, you know, less chance of something mm. breaking mm -hmm. because you never think about it. Like I'm, I'm still in the dark ages, really, with my main studio camera. So that's still a mechanical shutter, and it's not even a mirrorless model. But um, you know, my main concern is things like, you know, the, me the mechanical components in there. So I'm getting to the point where I've got to start to worry a little bit about, you know, my shutter and, and everything else. So um, of course, you don't really have that problem with the camera that doesn't have a mechanical mm -hmm. shutter. So that in itself is cool. Um, you know, the. Uh, as far as the frame rates are concerned, they've done something that's sort of, it's a little bit weird because at the base of it, at full res, um, and this is like, you know, 14 bit raw is the, the full mm -hmm. resolution. Um, it shoots 20 frames per second, which is great, which is great. We'll do, totally do the trick, but on the far end, it'll do 120 frames per second. What do you lose by going? Well, you that? basically lose the ability to shoot in raw, uh, you shoot JPEG and, you know, and so on and so forth. Which could easily have its place to have that ability to shoot 120. In fact, now hmm. I think about it, I have seen a little video of them stitching together, you know, a few seconds of 120 yeah. frames JPEGs, Correct, yeah. and it looks like slow motion. Yeah, as you as it would, right? It's a slow motion video. It would, but also, you know, if you think about it, like again, if you're a press photographer, for instance, you know, and you're basically sending your your shots back to your editor. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I mean, you want to... Because you need raw for print. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but yeah, also, you, you know, there's no opportunity because, you know, speed is, is of the essence here. So just, you know, you're going to shoot in, in JPEG yeah. and you're going to basically, sh you know, send that stuff straight back. Awesome. I mean, you know, I, I just I just pity the editor that has to now sift through 120 images yeah. per second. <laughs> they, they won't be allowing that, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I mean, you know, interesting thing. Uh, but it's an interesting way of looking at things, mm. I think, you know, because, well, we don't always have to shoot in full rest. It's, Absolutely know, not. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely not. Um, and so, you know, I mean, everything everything with this camera is basically set out and designed for speed. So they've got this new X-Speed 7 processor in there, which is hyper fast. Um, you know, it's, um, the, it, it, shoot, it basically has, uh, it features two CF Express XQD cards. They are expensive. Mm. It's a pain in the neck, but um, what's required to get that, if that you wanna, data rate across. Absolutely. Right? If you want to get that speed going, then you have to have that. Um, you know, so, you know, overall, it packs, this camera really packs a punch, um, not only on the photography side, but also with video. I mean, I've really gone all out, you know, it's really kicked it out of the, hit it out of the ballpark uh, with the video specs as well. 8K rule? 8K. Um, so basically it's 8K. Um there's, um, let me just see where I've got my notes. Um, so it's 8K at 30 frames per second. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, 4K at 120 frames per second, you know, standard tell thing. Apple ProRes. Um, and there's going to be, so basically it's Apple ProRes, right? But there'll be a, um, a software update uh, coming out in the very near future, which will basically allow you to record uh, ProRes RAW at 12 bit. That's cool. So That's they're doing cool. a similar thing. I mean, Nikon haven't really been doing that much in terms of, um, you know, software updates in the past, but, um, they seem to be taking a page out of Canon's book because Canon has sort of gotten into that over the last, absolutely. You know, yeah. Over the last few years. So <clears throat> yeah, it seems like it really, I mean, if you've got six grand spare, <laughs> you know, then that seems to be like the camera that really can pretty much do it all. Yeah, for sure. But the really, and we talk about the, um, the video spec. Actually, let's talk about the video specs um, first because this. It, I had an interesting thought about where this camera and the tech in it is going to lead Nikon potentially. But let's have a look at the, um, you know, the, the sort of video specs. So, like I said, you know, 8K um, Apple ProRes, and it's got five-axis stabilization built into the body as mm -hmm. well. So that's you know, that's cool. Um, and and the autofocus system, but all accounts. And this is really just I haven't actually held the thing. I haven't tried it, um, but from what I've seen and what I've heard people say about it, is that the autofocus system has basically, um, I mean, they've, they've literally brought it on par with Canon and Sony. Yeah. So that, that's what <clears throat> I've, I've read about it as well, is that it's tenfold better than it has been mm. before. Um, and just in the few, and it is only a few use cases that I've seen, is that it's, 
it doesn't quite track between subjects quite as well as canon does. Mm. And that uh, it will lose a face slightly more often than canon does. Slightly. But here's an interesting thing. So what they've done with the um, with the autofocus system, they've built in deep learning AI. Uh Yep, I'll I'll wait to see the. This is the time of robots. I yeah, what, robots well, are taking over the world I, for sure. I don't know if Nikon are on on, on board with AI just yet. I don't know. Can I mean, they, you know, I mean, it's, just, it? it's an interesting thought because you know, if your autofocus system actually gets better with time, how cool would that be? How I'd love to know how it's learning. How does it know that it's missed a subject? I have no idea. I mean, basically, it probably you know you need to tell it something. <clears throat> Well, yes, I mean, most likely what happens is, you know, if you if you are double vaccinated, it will just, you know, it will just connect to your 5G internal body, 5G tracking. So are we device. saying that the, the Z9 gives you COVID? <laughs> no, it will, uh, it will, it will fully, fully exploit your COVID protection mechanism. That's, you know, that's what it does. See, that's clever. That's AI. See, listen to me. You've heard it here first. <laughs> None of this is true, by the way. <laughs> you don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've, you know, um, actually, we both are now eligible for a booster jab because uh, they've just uh, brought it down to... Actually, no, you're not because you're not 40 yet. No, I'm not. You're not 40 yet. Well, I am, old as I am, I am now el- eligible for um, for a third booster jab. So I've heard some bad things about a booster jab. Really? What's that? Um, I've heard there's some reports of heart attacks and things like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I, there's someone who's, who's died after straight after having the booster. These are rare cases, obviously. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I have to say, unless they, unless the government do bring in, basically, every half the country are rejecting it right now, saying no, I really don't want it. But this kind of happened with the regular vaccines anyway. Um, but it seems to be more than more with this for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There are definitely reasons behind it why people are like that, but it doesn't really matter. Um, unless they. The government say you cannot travel without having having had this booster like they were suggesting they would. Mm. Um, I probably won't bother with it this time. This was this booster. If they say you, they bring in the travel thing. I will get it. Well, I mean, you know, but, the, but given the number of people who are rejecting it, I don't think they'll bring it in for travel. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, I think you've got nothing to lose. I mean, technically speaking, you know, I've, because I've I've had both vaccinations and then I caught COVID. Um, I've technically had three lots of. Yeah. Antibodies, you know. You, you smell like you've had COVID. But, you know, well, if they allow me to have a fourth injection, I don't know at what time that's going to be the case. But, you know, I'll have it for sure, 100%. Definitely. Jab me up. <laughs> 100%, you know, protect the people around you, is what I'm saying. Anyway, um, so COVID aside, um, I've had an interesting, you know, thought about uh, Nikon and the Z9 um, because there's one thing missing from the Nikon lineup at this point, and that's really the one thing I'm actually waiting for, mm-hmm. and that's the Z8. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if if you think about it, I mean, if you compare, if you make a comparison between Canon and Nikon, for instance, you know, you've got, um, you've got, uh, you know, what do you call it? So you've got the the Z6, you got the Z7, or Z7 II, um, then you've got the Z9. And you really don't have anything that directly compares more or less with the R5. Right. You know, so Canon's R5 is basically sits between Nikon's Z, Z7 II and the Z9. And Z9. And yep. the R3 is sort of the equivalent of the, the Z9. Z9. Yeah. So what's really missing with Nikon at the moment is this kind of high-end professional um, camera body that um, that would, you know... That would uh, work well in the studio as well as you know lots of other uh, applications and has really um, really really good um, video capability. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and that's really where the Z8 I think will sit. Now, if I'm looking at the technology that Nikon's just come out with in the Z9, and the, my hope is that that will basically down trickle into the Z8. So we're talking autofocus system, for example, you know, video capabilities, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that could actually mean. And who knows when the Z8 will actually come out? I mean, there's rumors left, right, and center. It might be in a year's time, maybe two years. Who knows, right? And of course, the thing to remember is that both Sony and Canon will already have have had, you know, time to basically progress yeah. and so on and so forth. So, yeah. so who knows? But um, but I that actually kind of fills me with confidence, you know, for for that kind of segment. Um, 
Well, it's so. just nice to see Nikon finally pulling it all back. You know, assuming the camera is as good as it <laughs> as specs specs read, and there aren't yeah. other little things going on, it's it's about time. And all all it's going to do is drive good improvements across all the brands. Is that if Nikon are back in yeah, the game, sure. which they clearly are, yeah. that's it. It can only be good for Canon users. And okay, here's a question for you: Do you think that this is sufficient for all the old Nikon users that moved when they started to fall behind. Do you think it's going to pull them back, this? Um, this is quite... Um, this is a very high-end camera and it's only for a few... Oh, right. Small okay. percentage of people, So this right? is the... Right, okay. So this is the thing. Yeah, it is a high-end camera and it sets you back six grand, right? However, and this is like the thing that's really um, astonishing and actually a testament to to Nikon's, you know, achievement in that, in that respect is that they've already had 400,000 pre-orders for this camera. That's, for a flagship model that sets you back three grand, that's astonishing. Six. You know, six grand, yeah. 400,000 uh, pre-orders. The only problem with that is, is that they only have a production capacity of 30,000 a month. So, you know, the reality is, if you've ordered a, if you pre-ordered a Z9 now, it may take you like a year until you get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. And whether they're going to address that or whether there's anything you can do about that, who knows, but... You know, I'm um, sure they're working on it. But the thing is, and of course, it, it is true to say that um, Nikon are, um, in terms of production capacity, not quite up there with, you know, let's say Sony or, or Canon. Um, I'm sure they could probably, you know, build more cameras on a monthly basis or whatever. But, you they'll, know, but they'll come up with something, but, I'm sure. You know, but nevertheless, um, it is quite remarkable, you know, those kind of mm. numbers. So, you know, if they... Um, if they actually ship 400,000 of these, of these machines, then, you know, respect. Yeah. Um, well, you know, whether it, whether it brings people back to the brand, um, I'm sure some will, you know, I think if you're, this is always the problem, right? I think Once, people are waiting for that eight, like you suggest. Well, right? I mean, I think they're going to have to prove themselves possibly a little bit more, you know, mm. um, but you know, I mean, it's difficult. Once you've switched camera system, you know, you've basically sold all of your glass, yeah. you know, you've completely switched over. Um, and it's not only the glass, you know, it's like everything that goes around it. It's like trigger systems, you know, for your lights yeah. from like, I don't know, tether cables or whatever it may be. I mean, the whole, you know, everything on the periphery is, you know, all the accessories, whatever you right. just basically sold all of that and reinvested. It's a real, it's a major step changing from one brand to another. Um, and especially for, especially for professionals, you know, who, who basically invest a lot of cash into that gear. You know, because I think, you know, if you're, let's say, for instance, if you're, if you're an amateur um, photographer, um, you know, you can probably get away with, you know, a couple of lenses, you know, maybe you have something that's, you know, that that gets you from mm-hmm. reasonably wide to to reasonably long, you know, in terms of glass. And, you know, you can probably, you know, be happy with that mm-hmm. most of the time. For sure. Not so difficult. You know, you've got one or two lenses, you know, you sell them, no problem. But as a professional, you've got you typically have glass and all sorts of other stuff uh, for all sorts of different eventualities, mm. you know, whether that's, mm. you know, and usually you end up, um, you know, with pretty expensive high-end glass as well. So it's not going to be easy to really switch system. You know, it, it, I think it'll take a lot of convincing. I think what it may do, or I'm sure what it will do actually, is that it will keep people who were on the verge of switching, it will keep people back, you know, because of these thoughts of, like these thoughts have crossed my mind, you know, because I'm going to have to, yeah. like my camera system is aging a little bit. I'm going to have to invest into it in the not too distant future. And that's a thought that's crossed my mind. I mean, I've, I've actually already done the maths, you know, I think like, okay, well, if I sell all of my, all of my gear now and then I reinvest, like how, you know, what can I realistically expect to get for it and how, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, that basically means, you know, not necessarily that I'm in the market to change, but it means that I'm thinking about it mm. and that's, you know, that's a dangerous point to be really, you know? And so I think, um, Nikon will be able to, to probably, <clears throat> uh, keep people with the brand, but it basically, basically they're going to be, it's going to be easier for them to, to, um, keep people loyal to the brand now than it was before they released. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. Cause if you think of the last few years, what's actually happened is there've, there've been some advancements, like if you go four or five years back, actually Nikon did come out with a full swing uh, with the D850. Mm-hmm. That was a really awesome camera at the time. I mean, that came out and basically immediately 
that was in that segment that was the best camera around at that time. Um, it you know it did help them to keep a little bit of market share and to prevent people from wandering off uh, because you know um, as a as a as an eight hundred series upgrade from a D eight hundred to the D eight ten to the D eight fifty, that was a cool camera. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, their problem has been that they haven't really kept up. But it didn't really read the market, I think, at the time, as far as video was concerned, because video was becoming more and more and more important. And of course, Canon um, and Sony, you know, really caught on to that. And even Fuji did, right? Um, and so, you know, and so that's where, um, I think that's that's where people were moving over, you know? And of course, and after the, the D850, if you remember, uh, Canon and Nikon were criticized for quite heavily uh, for not having mirrorless bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. on the market. And of course, we we all knew, everybody knew that this is the way things were going. Um, and then, of course, Nikon announced um, their Z-Line pretty much at the same time as Canon announced the R-series or the mirrorless bodies. And so, you know, and again, the original Z6 and the Z7 were a little bit underwhelming, um, but just like Canon, let's not forget I kind of made the same mistake, um, they were criticized for only having one... Um, you know, one SD card slot and, yeah, that's right. um, you know, and, uh, and the video capabilities on the Nikon were better than the, the Nikon, than with Nikon. And then of course, you know, Canon has gone full steam and released a whole array of, of new models and really kind of pushed the barrier of what's possible, you know, with, um, with the R, like the RP and then, you know, um, the R6 and the R5 and so on. Whilst, all that Nikon have actually done is really just sort of beefed up the Z6 and the Z7, you know, and turn it into the Z62 and the Z72, which, uh, you know, again, actually, in a, in a way, you can't fault them for that because they've addressed all the criticisms. Yeah, they've added is. another um, card slot. You know, they've put two um, XP6 processors in, in those things, which sped things up. Um, the autofocus system was, you know, improved, but it wasn't quite at the same level mm-hmm. as... Um, you know, as uh, as with the Sony's and the Nikon's, uh, the Sony's and the Canons, and that's really where people lost a little bit of trust, because autofocus is you know it just makes such a such a massive difference, especially when you're talking about you know eye autofocus and First, I think yeah. you know the whole thing about animal autofocus is like that's really cool if you're a wildlife photographer or if you shoot dogs for a living, <clears throat> great. But for me, it makes no difference. I mean, you know, some of my models can be. Uh, you know, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> but, you know, um, but do uh, you, you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of these things are so specific um, that they almost to me, they don't necessarily really matter. I don't really shoot other animals other than my dog. Um, like bird autofocus. Cool. If you're a wildlife photographer, super awesome. You know, yeah, yeah. like for me, not so much, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So anyway, so um so, so yeah, so Sony as well as, as Canon have basically, you know, leapt forward in massive strides and Nikon's have been left behind the dust a little bit. Um, and so now what we're seeing is, is basically the revenge, I think. And you can argue maybe they've just held back. Do you remember when we went to the photography show only a couple of months ago, um, we were a little bit disappointed that we, um, that they didn't. Uh, have the Z9 on show there. Yeah, absolutely. Because the R3 was the big That's news. The ideal time, wasn't it? Yeah. So the R3 was the big news at the at the photography show. Um, and, you know, we, we at the time we thought like, oh man, that's a bit of a missed opportunity. Like what's happening yeah. here? Um, maybe it was the right thing to just wait, you know? Yeah. You know what worries me about the Z9 or Nikon in general at the minute is I think they've gone all out with the Z9 and I... I think they're a long, long, long way off doing anything more right now. I think they've absolutely maxed out what they can do right this minute. You know, normally they're they're obviously working on stuff for years in advance, and um, this this is not where their tech is today. But I think Canon have released the R3. Um, I think they're well on their way to releasing whatever their next flagship will be. Well, the R1 apparently. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, they, and it's going to yeah. be. Who knows how much better sure. it's going to be? I don't, it's hard to think what else they could all add to these right now, but we'll see. But I think Nikon are just that further, 
further bit behind, which is okay. <clears throat> yeah, because this I mean, is a cracking, cracking camera. Yeah, I mean it beats everything else that's out there at the moment. You know, and it's that's really you know the again you know I draw the parallel to the D eight fifty, yeah. which at the time was absolutely enough to really you know to sort of change the tide for them a little bit. Um, you know, and uh, and of course they got a lot of applause for that camera yeah. at the time. You know, the, the um, timing's just always a little bit off. <laughs> yeah, I mean it seems. Yeah, it seems like that. But, you know, again, who am I to judge? You know, maybe no. maybe they just um, take it a little bit slower and therefore, you know, come up with stuff that's that's very cool. They've At also, the end of the day, they've pushed a, another little boundary with yeah. this camera and that's that's what's important. They're also right doing now. a few other interesting things. Because there's another bit of Nikon news. Um, this, this is like, this is turning out to be the Nikon episode. <laughs> well, um, so Nikon, Nikon have announced a partnership with Nissin and Profoto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so two lighting companies. Um, it's it's quite unclear as to what that partnership actually is, um, mm. because they, you know, Nikon already has, or both of these companies, by the way, Profoto and Nissan, already make trigger systems for the for the Nikon system. So it's like, okay, what else could they be doing? Um, and I think you know, just you know, the announcement um, that they're partnering up um, is interesting, especially because Profoto is obviously sort of a high end. Um, lighting company which sort of falls in with it falls into place with the, the whole like z9 mm, yeah you know type of thing so um it'd be interesting to see what that actually means can't begin to imagine what they're doing with that um who knows i mean i'm i'm guessing you know i'm guessing we're talking about uh, interesting ways of controlling the lights from your camera you know directly from the camera within the camera possibly you know, that's that's a possibility. Yeah, who knows? You know, they'll sync. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that'll be one thing to watch. I think over the next. Well, they're gearing themselves towards the higher end market, which is cool. Hmm. But that's zero point zero one percent of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the people out that's there. That's those 400,000. Four that's, that's the four hundred thousand people who've already ordered the Z. Uh, you know, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. That's yeah. worldwide, I assume. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, still, you know, not bad. Not bad. It's all right. Anyway, that's all the Nikon news we have for you today. Whew. What what else is there in the, in the world of, like, what else has been going on? Actually, let's talk about, <coughs> I apologize for the coughing because, you know, I'm, yeah, it's annoying. I'm suffering <laughs> from yet another cold. You know, that is what happens when you marry to a teacher, by the way. You know, the, like, as soon as there's any, any kind of cold around, you know, Happens in the classroom. Yeah. Then all oh, that's being stay away from me, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now, anyway. I mean, you know. Yeah, true. <clears throat> so yeah, um, what else has been? What else has been happening in in the general world for you this week? I'm just getting excited about my new Mac. If I'm honest with you. Oh yeah, okay. it's a big deal. I know it's just a new laptop and whatnot, but it's a big deal. It's a huge, huge upgrade. How long have you been? Like waiting, what, what's the waiting like? The because um, I sort of umbenard for a week after they've released. Yeah, you, know, you could stop you know, ordering um, rather than needing to wait a week for mm. a delivery. I had to wait uh, a month, so okay. I'm not getting it for another couple of weeks yet. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so in somewhere, somewhere before the first of December, I should be getting it roughly. Mm. Um, but it's a big. Big, big upgrades. So I've got their last Intel processor, which was maxed out. Currently. The, yeah, the i2.4, i9, whatever it was, nine, eight core, I think. Mm. But the, yeah, eight core, which was great. Did it live up to what I expected? No, no, it didn't. Not quite, mm. which is a shame. But yeah, they really released the M1 All right. Mac, um, processor for their MacBooks. And now what they've got is the M1 Pro. And the M1 Max. Um, I won't go into all the tech specs because I'll get them slightly wrong probably. But mm. basically, the M1 Pro is I don't know, give or take twice as good as the M1. Okay. And the M1 Max is uh, not twice as good, but it's got mm. basically the graphics power within it is a lot better than right. the M1 Pro. <clears throat> I think processing wise, it's give or take about the same. Yeah. But more graphics for someone who does video or photo, cracking. More cause. You know what? What I find interesting is, is that you know currently I work. Uh, my my main studio computer is uh, is an iMac, uh, twenty twenty or something. I, I think yours is twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's basically the last iMac with the Intel yeah. processor. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much maxed out in, in, yeah. just in RAM. And the whole it uses 10 cores, isn't it, if I remember rightly? Well, I don't even pretty know. sure. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and, of course, it works beautifully, um, you know, when I edit, uh, of course, when I edit any kind of photo. Um, but but even, you know, with video, it works beautifully with uh, any 1080 um, and 4K mm-hmm. footage. Absolutely no problem. You know? um, of course, now we're seeing cameras coming out that shoot in 6K or 8K and so on and so forth. And that's that's basically where I'm thinking, okay, if we were to shoot a project in those kind of resolutions, then, you know, how would my iMac fare? Be interesting to see. Be very interesting to see, because I don't think my MacBook, my current MacBook, you know, there are so many varying factors with it, Mm. (laughs) particularly when you get to um, what frame rate you're shooting in. If you're shooting in 25, Mm. you might get a couple of 4K time, um, sort of streams running at the same time, like Mm. multi-cam mode or something like that. You can start going beyond that, you start having problems. So you're going to need some proxies to run with yeah. it. And even then, it still will struggle. <clears throat> but this new one, um, it can run multiple streams of 8K RAW in right. multicam mode with, without even flinching. Cool. You know, it's got dedicated ProRes and media engines within it, so it can play um, ProRes and H.265, 264 no. without any issues. Mm-hmm. Um Typically, there are problems with that. Often you need to transcode, often you need to run proxies, whatever it might might be to get those to run smoothly so you can actually edit. Not not, not the case now. Um, and that's a big deal for mm. me. A big deal for me. So now I can run 4K projects, 4K timelines. It's, again, there's a difference between having 4K footage on a 10, 1080p timeline mm-hmm. or 4K footage on a 4K yeah, timeline. Sure. It, there's a difference and it does play back differently. Mm. Um, now I can have the 4K timelines with multiple streams of 4K footage mm. without even thinking about it. Am I ever, I don't I don't have the capabilities for 8K. No. Might do in the future. <clears throat> but if I do ever upgrade to a camera that does 8K and want to start shooting that way, oh no, I've got a laptop that can handle it. No. So I'm kind of future-proofing myself a little bit. Yeah. Um, this I'm expecting this laptop to do me 10 years. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I've um my um my MacBook Pro has just had its 10 year anniversary it shouldn't have but it has <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it has yeah um it's, it's basically a glorified typewriter now yeah <laughs> <laughs> the modern typewriter yeah. yeah i mean that's that's what i use yeah. it for really you know i use it for uh, i tell you what i use it for um watching movies in bed mm-hmm. and um and writing blogs yeah that's basically yeah just anything you need to, need to be mobile for which is very little really it's you know i mean since of course you know i've changed just about anything and everything in under the hood, you know, it's got a new battery. It's got like an yeah. SSD drive, general, whatever. Um, and I've maxed out the RAM in it like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it works right. Like we're doing, when, you know, when we're recording episodes where we're not in the same room together, then then uh, Nick and me, we talk to each other. We talk to our guests via Zoom. And so I would be sitting in my house, actually looking at my old mm. MacBook Pro, um, and you can see my iMac it, behind me. Um, Annette, it works for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely and it will keep working for that sure. for, until it yeah. completely dies on you. One of the main reasons why um, I changed that actually was uh, I didn't actually ever have any issues with editing on it. Um, that all worked fine. It was only when last summer we did a project um, that ended up being like a two-hour timeline, blah, blah. And when I had to render it out, that's where you really felt the pinch mm-hmm. because it took like literally eight hours to render the final project. Like you wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. I yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, it's no oh nothing. God, that was yeah. so close yeah. to the wire as well. Yeah, it oh, was. And literally, it finished rendering like, I don't know. That was an, hilarious. An hour before Stressful, it was, but hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was an hour before it went live on YouTube. It was so close to the wire because they would have had that render failed. There would have been no way back. No. There was no chance of doing that again. So um, that was... It was rendering overnight. I remember like getting up at seven in the morning thinking, shit, where are we? It's only 50% pro. Yeah. Well, it was, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that very much, I mean, I think I was as nervous about that as I am currently, uh, at, you know, because one of my uh, main hard drives has failed. My, actually, in fact, my video hard drive has, has failed. Mm. And I just had to replace that. And um, I'm trying to drag all the data off of that. Um, and copy it onto the new hard drive. Um, and it's like, 
you know, it works for a while and then it cuts mm-hmm. out and I have to start again. So it's, it's just a little bit gut-wrenching. It'll eventually yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah. I'll be able to do it, but it's just annoying. Yeah. Um, and that's why you should always back stuff up, which I am doing. But, you know. That's it. That's it. Got to have a good backup plan. Yeah. I actually had my hands on the 14-inch version of this new one the other day. And, All right, cool. Um, they're a bit heavier. They're chunkier than they used to be, but it's, they've got more ports again. Mm. So it kind of, kind of needs to be. They've done it in such a way that there's good airflow. It's part of the reason I've gone for the 16-inch because it's got even better airflow going okay, through it. Cool. You know, unless you're doing a thousand things or the most intensive 3D rendering or something like that, fans don't <laughs> even kick on. No. There's no fan noise anymore. Yeah, that's actually that's amazing. I, I remember being on like Zoom calls with you whilst you were rendering something in the fast game on there. Oh, you were running with Zoom. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah terrible. Nice. So it's exciting. It's very, very exciting um, to have like uh, I can't even remember how many cores, like twenty-four cores of GPU, hmm. and so they use unified memory because it's all kind of in part of the same chip. Right. And unified memory is a combination of RAM and the memory that you're discrete um graphics card had mm-hmm. so i've had like my current macbook had 32 gigs of ram okay. and four gigs for as part of the graphics card like vega or whatever it was right. giving you what <clears throat> uh what i say 32 so 36 mm. so this has 64 gigs of okay. ram unified memory which is ram and graphics and it just yeah. shares whatever it oh, needs right, okay. at whatever particular moment to that's my understanding anyway i'm sure someone out there will correct me but that's my understanding of how how it works and it can it can process like 400 gigabytes a second data transfer rate right and that's the benefit of the the max versus the pro Mm. which can only do 200 i believe give or take there or thereabouts right so it's interesting it's gonna be really interesting i can't wait cool i'm super excited that's good yeah um but yeah we'll do i might do a few little comparisons and see what happens That's, I mean, that's, that's, it's always, it's always a thing like when, when you're working with, you know, major, um, you know, major amounts of data, mm-hmm. you know, then the more, the more processing power you have, the better really. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If, if you're always, you know, I think of it this way, like if, if you're not really doing video, um, and if, you know, if you're processing photos, for example, then, you know, a machine like that is potentially overkill. Yeah, because you don't. That's completely overkill yeah. from the ninety nine point nine percent of people out there. It's, you know, I've seen a load of tests on on these particular MacBooks right now, and I think the consensus is you don't need any more than sixteen gigs of RAM on it. You don't need any more than the eight core version yeah. of the Pro processor. You don't. You and don't. The, and the thing is, like, of course, you know, editing on mobile, as in, like, on iPads, is you yeah. know, it's really has really you know, become a thing Absolutely. over the last yeah. year or two. So, you know, iPad Pros are now so capable that as far as image um, editing and, you know, processing is concerned, there there are a lot of reasons for why you would want to switch to editing your, you know, your image yeah. on, yeah. Um, on iPad Pros. In fact, you know, um, you know, our, our friend Frank has just recently changed to, um, to editing almost everything on, on yeah he went mobile didn't he yeah and uh, he only had positive things to report so you know interesting interesting thought yeah yeah it's worth it's worth reviewing you know it's 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 one of with with that it's one of those do i take my do i need to take my laptop with me wherever i'm going yeah. for for a couple of days or can i just do everything i need to do on my ipad actually there's a good chance the majority of what you want to do you can do on your ipad i i, I mean i personally think that you know this for me it would be an interesting option um when it comes to tethering, like when you're on location and you're tethering through to a, to a laptop, you know, if you could do that easily with an iPad Pro, and I don't know whether you can, so, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. um, or actually, in fact, leave a comment, you know, or send us, send us a message if you know anything about that. But that's what I always think, like, you know, rather than having to drag a whole laptop with me and a laptop stand and all the rest of it, you know, if I could just, um, you know, tether through to my iPad, I'm pretty sure it must be able to do that. It's not that I've ever done. I'd like to think so. But, you know, that would make... Um, They'll make life easier. I'm pretty sure actually you can with Capture One. See, that's something to look into. But anyway, mm. um, so, you know, other than that, the, my only gripe, this isn't really a gripe, um, is that, you know, when I moved from doing all my editing on um, a MacBook Pro to an iMac, I mean, apart from the fact that the screen is 
bigger and more Superb, beautiful. Right? Yeah. You know, it's really excellent screen. Um, it's, it's just for me, posture wise, it's made a massive difference because I used to, when yeah. I, I used to edit yeah. on my laptop, if you imagine you get the, the laptop in front of you, you're kind of looking down by default, um, unless you have like an elaborate laptop stand or whatever. But I always found that I was like really hunched over and it really made a difference to my, to my back and to my neck and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one massive improvement I've found, you know, moving, moving to, uh, to an iMac is it's just that I, I sit in a better, with better posture. Um, and, it's up, and I'm looking straight at the screen and that's made a huge difference to me. Yeah. So that's why I personally wouldn't go back to editing on a, lap- on a laptop. Personally. You, you know? can't underestimate the benefits over time of sitting in a chair. Yeah. You know, oh, particularly as you get to, well, your age. <laughs> Advanced age. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. Have you got <laughs> your bus pass yet? I forget. Um, no, but I forgot my Zimmer frame in the car. So. Ah, well, yeah. there you go. Fine. Um, <laughs> You can't underestimate it. No. I get bad backs. I've done for years and years and years and years. And mm. you know, I'm always find myself sitting wrong. Yeah. I think don't get get up, get up, sit properly. Yeah. You know, it's why I've, actually after each most podcast because I hunch a little bit while yeah. I because I just lean forward. But even you for your yeah. for your main editing, like in your studio, you've got you're basically just you just plug your uh, MacBook into a port and then everything's on a massive screen. So exactly. You, you know, yeah. so you're in a sense you're kind of have, in a way you get the advantage of being mobile with. Yeah. MacBook, but then at the same time, when you're actually doing most of the editing, you're actually looking at a bigger screen and you're yeah. actually sitting with better posture. So that's the one way. That's one way. A- absolutely, yeah. absolutely right. Um, and it makes a, it makes a huge difference. I can tell sitting in there for eight hours versus sitting yeah, sure. perhaps at a table like this or sitting on. Let's face it, we all do it. We <laughs> sit on the sofa and edit. Um, yeah. I, I can tell the difference. I know how I'm going to feel after eight hours of doing yeah. that. You know, it's so yeah. get yourself a decent chair. It's up a proper desk. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even if you've got your MacBook and make sure it's at the right height, <clears throat> should be looking at like about three quarters of the way up the screen. That's where your eye line should yeah. be. And if there are any standing desk manufacturers out there that want to sponsor this, this podcast, please get in touch. Hello, Very Desk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. What else? So, what so else more on the MacBook in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, we're going to have to do something when it arrives. You'll, you'll know when it arrives because I'm going to start the podcast like this <laughs> super smiley <laughs> cool it's gonna be great for our podcast guests as well because they're gonna is the, is the camera improved the front camera uh well we use this camera anyway don't we these oh, yeah, days yeah, yeah. uh but yes yes yeah, 1080 on the front cool um okay so what else has happened this week um nothing terribly exciting um other than that there you know there are a number of projects um in the pipeline which is yeah. good so um some interesting stuff i want to see um, a motorcycle garage or a motorbike garage. Mm, we haven't even uh, spoken about yet, that yet. Yeah, how'd it go? <laughs> That's very cool. I mean, it's very interesting. It's actually really interesting. Um, Did you get all greasy? Um, no, but it will once we do that shoot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is, yeah, I mean, it's a really greasy. It's what you imagine a motorbike garage, garage, workshop um, to be like, you know. He's a greasy lover. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, um, it's, you know, it's dirty. It's like full on, lots of tools. Um, it's really, really, really cool custom bikes. You know, small mm-hmm. place, um, but the I've got an idea for like an environmental portrait in there. So I went to see the location um, yesterday, and um, yeah, it's going to work really well. So awesome. Um, and they really have. Oh, they're basically customized bikes. Mm-hmm. Or anything from Harleys to Triumphs to whatever. Um, and uh, and some of them are like custom built. You know, very, very, very cool bikes. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. It should be good fun. Yeah. 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 You know, the the interesting thing about um, a shoot like this is always, for me, um, it's actually, you know, obviously having the right location is absolutely key. Um, But then, you know, putting the whole thing together, there's going to be five people in the shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, making them all do interesting things um, in in the photo. That's, you know, that's, that's one thing. Um, and making sure that everything fits together, you know, from the clothing to the way they're greased up, you know, to to everything else. Yeah, I mean that's you know. phrasing. Um, and um, <laughs> and you know, so and then uh, you know, as always, what really what gets me always is you know lighting the environment. Yeah. Um, and I've got some really cool ideas for that. You know, with the multiple lights hidden. In the background stuff again, because it's actually because it's also a band photo type of a thing. This is the whole idea of it. Um, what will be interesting is to integrate some musical items in this um, 
but to integrate it into the workshop. So the idea really is that it's not like a typical band photo where people are holding instruments. It's basically just five guys, you know, in this garage environment with motorbikes and all the biker stuff around. Um, and I mean, let's face it, you know, there's five guys. It's not going to be the Chippendales, is it? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's going to be a band photo, right? So, um, but the idea really is to integrate these. The thunder from down under. Well, um, <laughs> The idea really is to take um, you know, some, some of those musical instruments and integrate them into the background so they're not mm -hmm. obvious and they're just kind of hidden in it. And if you don't look hard enough, you probably, you'll probably miss them. Okay. That's, that's sort of the... What type of musical instruments are we talking here? Well, we're talking about like, you know... Guitars, um, drums, bass? Yeah, bits of it, like a snare drum, for example, mm -hmm. you know, an electric guitar or whatever. Um, I'd like to like know that. where you're going to put his drumsticks. Well, <laughs> 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 they may or may not feature. You know, I mean... It's like you've got you've got um, racks on the walls with, you know, tools and, uh, and all, all of that. So it's you know it's a cool place. It's actually it's going to be a cool place. Um, it's going to be freaking cold. Hang a guitar in amongst the tools and all. Yeah, or just you know buried in between like you know uh, an oil barrel and yeah, like. I'm, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's see, I, mean, I can't overemphasize how important it is when you do location shoot like that. Um, how important it is to really have really supportive um, location manager. Correct. Yeah. You know that's. That's the thing. So the good news there is, is that we've got total freedom. Total, totally flexible, I think. Yeah. That's good. Um, and, and That's great. In this in this case, of course, because, you know, obviously bikes are going to be featuring in the, in the whole shot. There are many really super awesome bikes to choose from. Mm. So, um, you know, so that's that should be cool. Um, that's awesome. That's something that's probably, hopefully going to happen this side of Christmas. Um, but yeah, interesting thing. Love it. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So good fun. That's cool. Um, well, oh, well, I mean, there's one, one other thing we can talk about, um, maybe, and that's, uh, another little techie thing. Actually, I tell you what, no, let's talk about this other thing first, because <laughs> this made me laugh for all the, all the Instagram users out there. Um, Instagram are now mm. apparently paying creators uh, for reels to lure them away from TikTok. It's called the Reels Play Bonus Program. Really? Yeah. Who came up with that snappy little <laughs> title? I don't know. But of course what's <laughs> happened is, um, you know, TikTok is hugely popular. Um, they've just surpassed 1 billion active users per month. And this, these are active users. That's amazing, actually. That's pretty, that's pretty huge. Um, and, you know, if my wife is, is uh, anywhere to go by, you know, TikTok is really used in a completely different way um, from way that people use Instagram. And Absolutely. so, yeah. you know, obviously Instagram came out with the whole Reels thing and then now obviously trying to lure creators away from, from TikTok. And so they're offering them cash bonuses. <sighs> um, now get this though, cash bonuses, we're talking anything from $600 to get this 35 grand. But, uh, okay. So I, I actually wonder whether that's enough. Well, I mean, Given that's probably some of the people they're targeting are probably earning a hell of a lot more than that on TikTok. Well, but the, there's no clear way uh, to define, uh, you know, what the what the factors are, mm. because basically there's been there's been a number of cases where like you know two creators have been offered like in the region of eight and a half grand to create a reel, right? Uh, one of them had like eight hundred followers, and the other one had twenty four thousand followers. Huh. So uh, you know the amount of followers that somebody has doesn't seem to be much of, of a factor. Best get ourselves on TikTok then. Well, that's, that's what I've said. <laughs> you know, so, um, and you know, that being said, if you are not um, already following us on, on Instagram, you know, make sure you head over to Instagram. It's at Camera Shake Podcast. You know, join us there. Um, that'd be super awesome. Uh, we'll always let you know when something's happening or when a new, when a new episode comes out. Um, clearly, plus, of course, you can support us there um, as well. So, yeah, Interesting little Instagram thing there. Yeah, well, let's see where that heads. Yeah, but you know, I'll do. I mean, I'll I'll post a reel for six hundred dollars. Even you know, I'm not. Yeah, you know, that's cool. But if you want to pay me eight and a half grand, I'll do two. <laughs> I'll even do two. Well, there you go. Buy one get one free. Bit of bog off there for you. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> super. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know, I found that quite. I'll um, keep an eye on that because I'm not surprised that they're doing it. But I, I, do, I just wonder whether it's going to work. I don't know. I mean, mm. you know, I'm, I'm sure. Well, I mean, if anybody offers you that that kind of cash, but I'm sure. Well, again, that maybe they're not going after the you know quote unquote the major players. Um, 
because they won't get them for that kind of money. Well, I think for 35 grand, you'll get somebody to, to pause the reel for sure. But are they, okay, it's, it's, I don't know if it's said in the article or not, but is this to move them to Instagram or just to create a reel? As far as I understand it, it's, it's, it's for one reel. Wow. Instagram, so, you've got too much money. Clearly. Well, they <clears throat> clearly see that that's the way forward for them. Um, I wasn't going to be investing in that kind well, of cash. Well, you know, what can I say? It's the Zuckerberg is behind all this, of course. Well, yeah, true. For sure. So, true. you know, who knows? Um, so, well, I mean, lastly, what else is new? Well, DJI is new. I mean, that's the Digi. other thing. <laughs> Digi. See, here's a, a DJI, right? I, I hear it, DGI, but it's, of course, DJI. Does anybody say DJI? I just say digi. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's odd that. Nobody even knows what that even means. Anyway, if you do, if you know what, what that even means, then, you know. Someone in China it. does. For sure. Anyway, so the Mavic 3, the new Mavic 3 is out. Mm. Um, very interesting thing. As far, you know, for all the drone lovers out there, I mean, that is a killer thing. Yeah. You know, we've we've worked with drones um, a little bit in the past, and, you know, we've, we've always complained about one thing or another. Whether that's, um, you know, flight time, uh, whether that's um, low light, low light capability, capability yeah. you know, um, that sort of thing. That's always been, that's been um, a problem sometimes, Yeah, I would say. Um, and, you know, and so this new uh, Maverick 3, which comes in two versions, by the way, we'll talk about it in a second. Um, that seems to, again, be hitting, you know, the ball out of the ballpark yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So um, what's the difference between these two versions? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, basically the Mavic 3, you know, where, where it really kicks it is, is, you know, flight time because it's, they've just basically moved flight time up from like 30-something minutes to 40, what is it, 46 minutes or something. Okay. Um, that's a major it's improvement. Quite, quite an increase. Like yeah. my Mavic Air lasts 20 minutes yep. on a battery, which as, as a result, I have three batteries, you know, but I keep it in the air for 20 minutes. And as you know, when we're used for filming, you know, um, I mean, yeah, you can get quite some footage out of 20 minutes, but then you get to land it, change the battery, bring it back up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a bit annoying. Um, this one really comes with, you know, 46 minutes flight time per battery. I mean, that being said, of course, it does depend on what you're doing in those 46 minutes, yep. how fast you're flying, you know, whether you're hovering, whether you're filming video, whatever. Or I mean, all of that just will happen, right? yeah. But nevertheless, that's vastly improved battery life. That in itself is actually very cool. These flight cool. batteries are... They're called intelligent flight batteries, and they're really quite expensive. So, you know, you're looking, I don't know, you're looking at probably something like, I'm guessing, around about 150 quid per battery or something like that. So it's... Wow. Okay. So the more you can get out of one battery, the better. Right. So that's that in itself is actually... How how does that compare to the batteries that you use, for example? I mean, mine were still like 90 quid or something. Oh, really? Okay. So I, you know, I I have three of them, which which lasts me uh, usually for pretty much anything and everything we're doing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but, but yeah. I mean, you're you always going to gonna want, unless you're just you doing it as more a hobby than, or, than anything yeah. else, but you're always going to want a second battery for it, um, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know any any drone pilot um, who doesn't have spare batteries. And, you know, with, but it has to be said that with a flight time of 46 minutes, um, you can get a lot done with one battery. And so depending on what it is that you're doing, you might actually get away with yeah. not having a spare or maybe having but, one spare. But even if you got that second battery, you'd get an hour and a half's flight time for an additional 100-odd okay. quid. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the existing ones, you're getting, uh, for the same amount of money, you'd still only get 40-odd, yeah. Yeah. 45 minutes, right? Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> that's, you know, that's a, that's a major achievement. Um, the... What's really changed with with this one is the sensor they're using. So they're using a um, you know a four third sensor. Um, they actually have two cameras built in, and of course they've teamed up with Hasselblad again. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So the cameras are pretty amazing. The footage I've seen it's a twenty megapixel um, camera in there. Um, the footage I've seen has really been outstanding. I have to say. I mean, you know, I saw some footage. You know, where I've really brought out uh, the raw image from super underexposed, you know, and, um, and the detail in the shadows was, was amazing. And it didn't break up like it, like I know it does, you know, when I fly my mm-hmm. motor on. Um, so it's really the low light capability is, is 
fantastic. What they've done is actually they've basically they've included two cameras on this one. Again, that's okay. that's interesting. So one is like a, a twenty-four millimeter wide camera, um, f two point eight standard kind of thing you would you would expect. Um, but then they've also um, included a second camera um, with a half inch sensor, which is one hundred and sixty-two mil. Mm-hmm. Um, at f4.4. So what you've got there that's is... That's all right. Yeah, that's, I mean, if you think about it, 163 mil, that's a super decent telelens, basically. Yeah, it's um, cracking. So seems pretty... There are some caveats with that um, because you can't use a camera um, to film in 4K or whatever. I mean, there's, there's some caveats with that. Um, okay. You know, and uh, maybe that's that's where the improvements will come over time. But, you know, generally speaking, I mean, you know, you've got 20 megapixel uh, sensor in there. It films um, 5K at 50 frames per second. And again, some of the video footage I've seen uh, online has been really outstanding. Does it actually look 5K? Yeah, it does, I mean, it looks, from what I've seen, it really does look amazing. Yeah, because um, so much drone footage I see it is 4K. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> just the quality of that 4K has never been, is, may not be as great, yeah. you know, it's just... Well, that's true, and that's actually true for my, um, for my Mavic Air. Um, certainly, I mean, it does shoot 4K, but the 4K isn't... 4K is not made equal. No, exactly. um, you know, it's... So, um, and it does break up. You've got to see this footage, Yeah, right? and it does break up easier. But but again, from what I've seen, it's, it's been remarkable, a mm. remarkable difference. Um, w- one of the, the main difference um, between the two versions that I've released, I've released the Mavic 3 and the Mavic 3 Cine version, is other than the price, because the basic Mavic 3 is going to set you back um, just under 1,900 pounds, um, which is like whatever it is in dollars. You tell us like two grand or something. Um, but the Cine version sets you back 4,300 pounds. More than double. Yeah, so it's, you know, quite a lot. Um one of the major differences is, is something like, for instance, the internal storage, like the internal storage in, in the standard version is um, eight gigabytes, the internal storage. And the, the senior version has an SSD storage in there um, that, of one terabyte. Okay. What's the advantage of, can you, and I'm assuming with the eight gigabytes, you can put a card in, right? Yeah. Okay. SD card? Yeah, it's, an, it's a micro SD. Super cheap. Yeah. Okay. So store, Okay convenient to have it inbuilt um potentially inconvenient i'm guessing you need to connect directly to your uh to the drone to take the footage off right rather than just popping an sd card and that's actually a little bit annoying but Mm. the other difference is um between the the standard version and the and the cine version is that the the cine version allows you to film an apple prores that's cool um and now of course is so the standard basically films in your typical h264 and 265 which is cool no problem with that. But if you're shooting 5K, then Apple ProRes will come in handy. Yeah, for sure. So um, again, if you're really going for you know the highest possible uh, image quality on this, then this, this cine camera will definitely um, give that to you. Although and that'll def- definitely help. Um, you know, there's more data going through. Um, it's not compressed. Yeah. I mean, it's they've, they've added well, some. I've not compressed. It's not as incorrect. It yeah. is compressed, but in a different way and a lot less. Yeah. Than... I mean, they've added some interesting other things to it, like the, the obstacle sensors. Um, they sort of create a three D map of of where the drone is, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that seems to be working really quite well. So, you know, it's definitely the drone to to mm. get. I think. I quite I, I question the um, more than twice the price for those additions i have to say i mean <clears throat> again it just depends Pro-res on... is, is codec it's and being able to transfer that amount of data in between and whatnot but mm, it just that's a, a lot i guess you know it's it just really depends on what you're using for uh, i you know i think if you if you already own a dji drone um and you want to upgrade to like the, you know the latest and greatest mavic model um then the mavic 3 will absolutely do that for you. It's all, it sounds yeah. awesome. It sounds cracking. I, yeah. lo- I, I love the, the new features you went through. I mean, the price I'm not sure I'd go for the... Is it Cine, did you say? Is that what yeah. they're calling it? I'm not sure I'd go for that personally. I mean, the Mavic 3 in itself, you know, that's it, a major price hike from the from the Mavic 2. So yeah. you know, it's, yeah. you're going to have to invest something into it. But I think what you're getting for that is, you know, it, it's, it's probably worth it. 
I think, you know, previously yeah. to that, before they announced that, there was this sort of thing between the um, the Air 2 and, um, and, and the Mavic 2. And I sort of, I kept thinking, well, actually, you're better off with the Air 2 because... Because actually, it does everything that the Mavic Two does, and it sort of does does it better. You know? um, but with the Mavic Three, um, it's definitely worth. You know, if you've got some money to burn and you're looking at buying um, a new drone, that's definitely something to look at. Well, it's prices because I've been considering getting one, but I'm not sure I can. Given that I've got a new MacBook coming and whatnot, I don't <laughs> think I can stretch to yeah. another couple of grand on a, a drone. Yeah, two grand is is quite heavy. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Oh, somebody's, oh, hello. somebody's sawing something, if you can hear that in yeah. the background. Excellent. Anyway, we'll try Excellent. and talk over it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all I've got in the tech cool, world this, um, this week. I do love a little techie episode every so often. Every so often, yeah. Um, now, if you've made it to to this point um, in the episode, um, we're thinking of, of adding um, a new, slightly more educational segment. Um, to the show where we teach you something. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, again, please get in touch. Send us a little message. You can get in touch um, on Instagram, um, on Facebook, and of course via via email. Uh, it's camerashakepodcast at gmail.com. Um, or just leave us a little comment if you're on YouTube. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, again, remember, if you're listening to the audio version of that, you know, leave us a little review. Um, give us a little star rating. That would help us immensely. Other than that, that's all we've got for you today. Let's do it. That's episode 82 in the bag. See you later. See you next Thursday.